Welcome to the podcast, Bringing Truth to Life, where we talk about what the scriptures say that can help you get unstuck from the thorny issues of life and encourage you to live the life you've been wanting to live with Christ. Our speaker today is Henry Clay. We are in a series called, Hey, Who's in Charge Anyway? And we'll be looking at a biblical model for leadership. Let's think about the pattern of God's leadership and how can we follow his example as we lead others. So God saves us and cares for us. And then secondly, God leads us. He's our Lord. And third, God develops us. He's a, he's a developmental God, isn't he? Did you notice as we looked at, as we heard about the prophet Jonah today, how, what an illustration of a developmental God. God didn't just get somebody who was already perfect and send him to the Ninevites. He actually worked with someone who was quite imperfect. And even by the end of the book, you're still not sure he got it. It's like the disciples at the Last Supper arguing about who was going to be the greatest. And Jesus is thinking, oh, no, you know, three years of being a perfect model, a perfect teacher, and perfectly patient. And I still don't think you're getting it. It be does beg the question, God, you could have done things any way you wanted to. Why do you do it in such a seemingly inefficient, messy way? Save that one. You could ask God when you get to heaven. I don't know that he really explains that. But it does mean that there is plenty of room for you and me. Because as you get to know yourself and the world we live in, there are times when you are very concerned. Is there really any hope for me? Is this as good as it gets? I wonder how God feels about me. So when you realize that God loved and dealt with Jonah, he loved and dealt with the Assyrians, the Ninevites, that that's how he is with you too. And he says, oh, it's no big deal. I, I, I'm doing it this way on purpose. It's okay. It's okay. So, today we want to ha look at the developmental mindset. That as we try to copy God's pattern, he's a developmental leader, then we also need to be developmental in the way we lead. The way we lead ourselves and the way we lead and intersect with others. We have a definition for this word develop, intentionally strengthening people's capacity to grow and contribute intentionally, on purpose. It's not a whoops. It's not a, a, like a, some big surprise. Oh, I developed you? I didn't know that. There's an intentionality. It's strengthening people's capacity that people can, that what you see in a person or in yourself, it can get better. It can grow with the desire to grow and get better, and to contribute. And this is both for your own life, it's for you're helping your kids, whoever God puts in your life. It might be somebody you're discipling, you might be teaching in a, a women's group or a men's group. It might be someone that looks to you for leadership at work. Could be any number of things. But one of the main mentors in my life was a man named Paul Stanley, and he said, the key paradigm shift for most leaders is to learn to lead with a developmental mindset, that leading isn't just telling people or influencing people to do what they should do, 
but it's also intentionally thinking about their growth and development, leading with a developmental mindset, not just thinking about what needs to be accomplished, but also thinking who can be developed as we do it. Now, not everybody here has somebody, a long list of people that look to you for leadership. Some, many of you have adult children, and they, at least overtly, don't look to you for leadership, and yet you have more of an influence on them than you or they would like to admit. Maybe that's not all good either. Yeah, I think I might have mentioned to you the book I'm looking at recently on doing life with your adult children, and the subtitle is Keep Your Mouth Shut and the Welcome Mat Out. So first we want to think about just development in your own life. You know what? God has appointed you a leader in your life. Now, you're under his leadership, but he's put you in charge. It's like he's given you a yard, but God's not going to mow the grass in your yard, is he? What a shame. It's a lot of work to do yard work, isn't it? What if God just didn't just give you the house and all those things, but he would also take care of it? But then what would you be doing? You know, you'd probably be getting in trouble. So he, he lets you be in charge. You're in charge of your own life. And God's vision for that isn't just a maintaining. It's a growing. Look at Colossians. If you've got your Bible or your phone or something, let's take the time to actually look at the Bible. Uh, I know I could just quote it or refer to it, but Colossians chapter 2. Go ahead and turn there. Colossians chapter 2, 6 and 7. He says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord. How many here have received Christ Jesus the Lord? Let me see. Show of hands here. Okay. I remember when the pastor, well, I'd been a Christian like two weeks, and he's, he said, everyone in here is going to heaven. Raise your hand. I thought, wow, they didn't do this in the Episcopal Church. This must be some kind of a trap for arrogant people or something. And uh, I didn't raise my hand, and, but all my new friends raised their hands. I, so I, poked, I said, there must be something they haven't told me. So I, I poked one of them. I said, how come you raised your hand? He says, well, if you've really trusted Jesus, you can know that you're going to heaven. I thought, oh, really? Wow, I didn't know about that part. That's great. So I raised my hand. But he says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So how did you receive Christ Jesus the Lord? Well, by faith, right? Uh, in humility, uh, being open, being humble. He says, okay, hold that thought. That's how you receive Jesus, right? He says, now that's, you're supposed to keep that up. You don't start off humble, then become arrogant. You don't start by faith, then start, go on by works. He says, no, it's, it's all by grace. You need to walk in that grace. And then he says this, Verse 7, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, overflowing with gratitude, the idea of progress, growth, development, that you don't stay the same, that you grow up, you're built up in him. Flip over, now that we're getting into the Bible, uh, to Second uh, Peter. And I know at some point you've heard sermons on these things, but let's just review it just real quickly, thinking about this idea of development and your responsibility to lead your own life toward growth and development. Second Peter 1, 
verse 5, he says, Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence, work at it. In your faith supply moral excellence, in your moral excellence knowledge, and then he goes on, and self-control and perseverance and godliness and brotherly kindness and love. He says, now that you are a believer and you have faith, that's what it means to be a believer, right? He says, well, don't stop there. He says, this has launched you into a pattern and a trajectory of growth. And it's not just something you, you just, okay, sit back, God's going to do this to you. He sort of shoots you with a growth ray or something, and you just don't move. You know when you do an MRI, they say, well, don't go wiggling around, you know, hold still. Or when you do your x-ray at the, at the dentist, they don't want you to be listening to music and dancing while you, the x-ray, because it'll come out all blurry. It's not this passive thing where God says, okay, uh, you just sit there, I'll grow you. He says, no, you need to take an active part. You've got faith, supply moral excellence. In other words, begin to walk in a manner worthy of Christ. Add knowledge, learn about the Bible, self-control. Uh, you're going to be tempted. That doesn't mean you have to give in. Add perseverance. Go the distance. Godliness, brotherly love. Do you really care about people? It's something you can grow in. It's something you can grow in. He talks about taking responsibility for your own growth, leading in your own development. I won't turn there because we want to keep moving, but Proverbs 2 illustrates the attitude of earnestness in seeking truth and wisdom and getting to know God. He says, if you will receive my sayings and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, lift your voice for understanding, cry for discernment. If you seek her as silver and search for us for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. It talks about earnestly seeking God's truth, God's wisdom to grow up to be more like him. I have a question right now for you. Are you growing? Do you have a developmental mindset for your own life? Or are you coasting? Are you drifting? It's very easy to have an initial surge of interest and curiosity and growth and development. But as time goes by, we might get tired of it, we might get distracted from it. That can happen, can it? Are there any distractions these days? You know, that's like the big thing on driving. Like, don't, don't get distracted. Like, well, gee, you put 5,000 things here. Now there's a TV screen. It's like, and they tell me not to get distracted. And if that weren't enough, you got a phone in your pocket that talks to your car that, you know, uh, it's like, wow. And then there's all the entertainment. You know, it's not just Netflix. It's all these other things, too. And so you're just trying to manage all your entertainment opportunities. You know what? Entertainment is like junk food. It won't kill you. I'm not going to say, I like a good hamburger, junk food hamburger. But it's how much of it. And what is it replacing? Aren't there sometimes you think, honey, we just need to go buy some vegetables and cook them, you know, <laughs> all this processed food. Well, mentally, spiritually, 
Entertainment options are like junk food. That if they get out of hand and occupy too much space, like kudzu, they'll choke out the things that really feed our souls and that help us to grow. And you are your own leader. Nobody else can do that for you and for me. Proverbs says, guard your heart, for from it flow the issues of life. One ancient Puritan writer said, God has appointed a keeper for every person's soul. And that's, that's you. You are the keeper of your heart. And he says, if you won't do your job, no one else can do it. And if you won't do your job, God won't do it. He's, he told you, you need to guard your heart. And if you won't guard your heart, if you won't be your keeper, then the devil will be your keeper, and he is a jailer. That gets you thinking, doesn't it? Okay. So, but it's not only you leading in your own growth, but also God has appointed you and me to be developmental in the lives of others. He doesn't want us just to be a disciple, a learner. He wants us also to make disciples. I remember at Georgia Tech, I was a brand-new Christian and meeting the Navigators. It was such a blessing to have Don Howe meet with me every week and open the Bible and we'd memorize Scripture and we'd go out on evangelism, and it was so helpful. But coupled with that, I began trying to help other people. I wouldn't say it went all that well initially. I think my first year I tried with like 10 people and none of it worked out, and I'm sure it was something I was doing wrong. But, but eventually I started to sort of get, get the hang of it, not just growing but also being committed to helping others grow. Let's look at just a couple of verses on that. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. He says, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, I'm not saying we need to be busybodies in other people's lives and go around and try and fix everybody and perfect everybody on the one hand, but I'm also not saying on the other hand that it's every man, every woman for themselves, you know, I'm just going to keep my head down and do what I'm supposed to be doing and maybe pray for somebody else, but I definitely wouldn't try to mess with their business, so to speak. This passage says we need to be thinking about how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Now, I really like that it says it that way because it implies it's not always that obvious how you would go about that. Because there are people that you have tried to do this with and it blew up in your face. They were either offended or uh, insulted or whatever. You think, well, that must be the way not to do it. So I'll have to consider other ways how to have the outcome be their blessing and their growth. But the Bible says you need to be thinking about somebody besides yourself in terms of 
growth. I also want to look at Colossians 1.28. Paul says, we proclaim him, he's talking about Christ, we proclaim him warning every person and teaching every person with all wisdom that we might present every person complete in Christ. Never blame Paul for a small ambition. He says, well, he says, this is kind of what I'm tracking on. I'm not sure how many millions of people there are in the world, but my goal is to address everyone in terms of their eternal destiny and present Christ. And if that wasn't enough, he says, after that, I'd like to do everything I can to get with every one of them and help them understand enough what it means to walk as a Christian that they would completely grow up to be like Jesus Christ. He says, my goal is kind of to do that with everybody that's alive on the planet. And I think he was in jail when he wrote it. It's like, wow, okay. Um, kudos for optimism here. And, uh, but also for that heart. You know, to be helpful to others, you have to care about somebody besides yourself. To have a heart for people that's willing to risk, maybe they won't respond or maybe they won't like it, but I need to try. Quick story on that one. Uh, sometimes that happens with me with sharing my faith. I'm, I'm a people pleaser. I like to think it's just that I'm nice and tactful, but it's like I like people to like me. So evangelism is kind of a double-edged sword because if it doesn't go well uh, or they're not open or whatever, then you feel like you've made them uncomfortable and you feel uncomfortable. And, and so over time, you just sort of get quieter and quieter and more respectful and less taking initiative. And I've been reading this book. This is talking about a, an example of my own development of Taking Men Alive by Henry Clay Trumbull. It's a hundred-year-old book. And, and he basically said, don't say no for the other person. Let them say no. You think, well, maybe they're not interested in the gospel. Well, yeah, but let them say that. Don't you assume ahead of time they probably wouldn't be open, so I won't say anything. And so we were going to be in this situation. I'll try to keep it general so that it won't be obvious who I'm talking about. And it's nobody in this whole city, so there you go. And this was maybe 15 years ago. But we were going to a, a gathering, and I knew there was one person there that was the least Christian of the people there. And it always been that way as long as I'd, I'd known him. But he was very, very ill. And so I knew I, this might be the last time I would see him. And in all the other gatherings, I thought, well, he's not interested, and I just won't bring, up, bring that up. I'll just be congenial. But this time, I thought, you know, I really, I shouldn't say no for him. So I, I walked in, I said, Lord, uh, and I prayed. I said, Lord, if he's, if he's there, open up the way for me to at least do my part. He'll probably say no, but at least I'll have done what I was supposed to do, not be such a coward. So we walked in. He was sitting right there. I went straight over to him, and we began to talk. And at one point, I said, I said his name, and I said, has all this stuff about your health gotten you thinking about eternity and dying? That was kind of my step into the wild, you know. And uh, he said, well, as a matter of fact, it has. And so we began talking. He says, you know, when I was a little boy, I lived in a small town, and, and they would ring the bell at the church at the start of Sunday school. And I remember going, going to Sunday school as a child. 
So then I began to talk with him more about faith and about Christ. And he says, well, you know, I don't. And he began to bring up all of his objections. I don't know about this thing about the Ten Commandments and this and that and the other. And I said, we'll just, we'll just say his name's John. I said, John, you know, probably a lot of those questions that used to seem so important, they're probably not quite as important as they used to seem, are they? As you stand right before eternity. And he said, yeah, yeah, you may be right. And I said, you know what I think, John? I think God is ringing the bell again. It's time for you to come home to him. And he said, maybe so. He was operated on about a month later. He uh, came through that. He, they didn't think he'd survive, but he did survive. And as soon as he and his wife got well enough, they immediately went to church. Both got baptized and uh, followed the Lord the rest of their life. And he ended up living like another 10 years. But I had to grow. See, I had to grow in order to be able to help him take his next step of growth. There's growth in the one another's. It's not like you're officially in charge, but you can be an influence for good. There's growth helping others grow by discipling in your, in your parenting, in, in your marriage, at work. Do you have a developmental mindset? And like I just illustrated, usually the single most important thing you do, you can do to help someone else grow, is you start growing yourself. I really love the, the story of this husband and wife, and the husband was very resistant. You've probably heard me tell this story before. But he was not following Christ and really didn't like that she was so religious. And she went to this conference and... And at one point, she asked the main speaker, you know, I've got this situation. My husband expects me to fix his breakfast every day, and he ridicules me about my faith, and, and um, I just don't know what to do about him. You know, he's not following Christ. And, and the speaker says, well, I just have one suggestion for you. He said, I want you to go home and tell your husband that all your marital troubles are your fault, her fault. And she says, well, that's, that's just not true. He says, well, that's my only suggestion. So anyway, she goes home, and the next morning she fixes his breakfast for him, and he's sitting there with the paper in front of him, and from behind the paper says, well, how was your rinky-dink little uh, holier-than-thou conference? How'd it go? She comes around to the side of his chair. She kneels down, and she says, I, I learned that all of our marriage troubles are my fault. And I'm so sorry. Later, telling the story, she said he almost knocked over the table getting up to get down on his knees and say, no, it's my fault. Do you see the power of you being willing to start growing first before you can help somebody else grow? There's a dynamic there. Well, quickly, let's look at a couple of other things to be thorough in terms of what does this mean? Helping others grow and growing ourselves. The first thing when you come to develop, you want to de develop yourself, you want to help others grow, develop, you have to think first the what and then the how. The what. What is it that you're trying to grow in? 
And we often think of three, three areas in your thinking, in your behavior, in your skills. For behavior, you could also put in maturity, character. There are other words there. With your behavior and your skills, that's the, that's the what that you want to grow in. You want to learn to pray, want to have a quiet time, have a better marriage. You want to learn how to be a better parent for your child, a better parent for your teen. You want to grow in how to relate to your adult children or some, something at the church. That's the what. But the thinking also is important. It's not just what you're doing, but why you're doing it. And I mentioned last time this book I'm reading that's, that's quite good. In fact, uh, he, makes a, he has a note here. This is the book Deep Changes by Nicholas Trancini. But he says, looking at Jonah's life, we discover something as puzzling as it is true. We can obey without changing. We could tell others about the love of God without feeling love for others. We can do spiritual things without being a spiritual person. We can change our behavior on the outside without changing our deepest desires in our hearts. So if you're leading yourself with a developmental mindset, you're going to be alert to the things that aren't like Christ yet in your life. And instead of throwing up your hands and saying, well, I'm just that way. It says, you've been called to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Don't give up so easily. What needs to be changed in thinking, behavior, skills? And then you think in terms of three, it says here, operational aspects, three critical aspects of how, what are the mechanisms that help you grow? And these are, these are relatively obvious, but it's teach, model, and coach. Teaching, it's information, it's instruction, it's the Word of God, it's good books, it's the right kind of podcasts. It's like, he says, my people perish for lack of instruction. It's learning. Secondly, it's about modeling, ob observation. That's, that has more to do with actual living examples of what it is you're trying to become like. Who you hang around with and relate to, especially in your earlier years, is who you're going to become like. So being more aware of the company you keep in terms of your closest relationships, the observation part. And third, the feedback, coaching of feedback. Now, we say coaching, uh, the Bible uses other terms, rebuke, chastise, discipline. <laughs> Coach sounds so soft and comfortable, <laughs> like they're just going to pat you on the back, you know. And the Bible, it's a little bit more like that, that word. Actually, in Hebrews 10, the, uh, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. The word stimulate is the word we get, the Greek word we get paroxysm from. It's any sudden violent outburst. And the word to stimulate one another is the word uh, for spurs on a cowboy's horse where he's got those little pointy things, and if the horse isn't going very fast, he digs him into the side of the horse. He says, that's the word. Uh, when you think about coach, it's that kind of feedback that frankly... Your first reaction often is this that makes you mad. 
or depressed or something, but you have some kind of a reaction when someone, you know, is winding up to say something that you're thinking, oh boy, here they come. They have a suggestion for me. Uh, and particularly if it's a spouse, because often it's, the, if you didn't hear the first times, it's getting louder and more persistent. And it's almost like a, a bee or something. You know, it, it, you just, it's, it's annoying. But a person that's leading themselves with a developmental mindset will not perfect their ability to avoid honest input. You have to be, you have to stay open. It's humility, not fragility. Some of us have become so fragile. Oh, I don't feel safe. You, you might tell me something you don't like about me. And it's like, you're going to have to be a little bit more resilient if you're going to grow up in Jesus. Growth is painful. To be open to honest feedback. We need teaching. We need modeling. We need coaching. All my life has been filled with people that God has put in my life that I can observe and learn from. And it is so powerful, so helpful. Well, let's, let's look at this so what. And this is a, a small, what a, what a developmental plan would look like. If you've got someone, this is particularly designed if it's somebody that actually looks to you for leadership. So there may be someone here that you actually have a direct report or something like that. And so it's mostly targeted at that. It's, of course, applicable more broadly than that. But you'd put in a name. You'd, you'd identify an area of development and a time frame. So it might be something, if you're thinking about your own life, you're thinking, you know, my whole devotional life, quiet time, that it's really gotten to pretty low ebb, you know. Either I don't do it, or I do it in such a way that I just kind of check the box, and everything that Josh was saying in terms of this relentless, glorious God and magnificent, marvelous, matchless love, well, that's just not like my quiet time. My quiet time is just like, uh, I'm, a, I'm a state employee, and I clocked in, and shortly after, I clocked out. And it says, okay, so I'm going to put my name in there, area of development. I really want to take my time with God each day to another level, and I'd like to do it in the next six months. Now, that when we say intentionally strengthening the capacity to grow and tr contribute, it's that intentionality to think like a leader. You are your leader under God's lordship. You are in charge. You don't have to settle for the status quo. You can be ambitious. So then you explore the what. You think, what is it in my thinking, behavior, and skills that needs to change? And if you're doing it for someone else, you're, you're going to disciple someone else, say you're uh, maybe there's a couple that's coming to you for help. And so the area of development is they fight like cats and dogs and they can't talk to each other. So communication would be a good area of development. And I think we could probably work on that for three months. So again, what's, what's needed to change in terms of the thinking, the behavior, and their skills? Maybe there's some skills that would help them in how they communicate. And then plan the how. What would you do to teach, model, and coach? Is there, a, is there a book to read, a tape to listen to, a Bible study to do together? Model, it could be that there's someone else that's already grown in that area that could talk with them. 
and share their story with them. And coach is feedback. If it's the couple that can't talk, well, let, let's, let's sit together and I'll watch as you talk. Or you watch me as I talk to my wife. Uh, but it's the teach, model, and coach. Now I realize this is, we're flying here. We're not only talking about your whole growth, your whole life, your sanctification to be like Jesus in every single way, but we're also talking about you helping others to grow in the one another's, in your marriage, in your parenting, at work. So I realize we've covered a lot of ground. But I want to just close with a couple of thoughts if we could actually talk more personally. I wonder what you would say today about your own life if you were honest just with yourself and God. Are you growing, learning, stretching, transforming, humble, or are you stuck, stagnant, maybe even rotting? Are you fragile? No one can tell you what they observe that might be helpful to you. Have you been perfecting your excuses of all your reasons why it's got to be that way? This isn't something anyone else can do for you. You are ridiculously in charge of your own life, your own development, your own growth. It might be in your quiet time, your prayer life. It might be you haven't truly come to faith in Christ yet, that that's, that's your next step of growth. It's something about your marriage, your parenting, parenting teens. It might be dealing with some darkness and sin in your life. It may just be adjusting to being retired and having left so many jobs of parenting and work and certain sports you used to do, you can't do them anymore, and it's like, what do I do now? That's also a time of growth. You may be dealing with difficulties apart from just age, stage, and where you are. You say, well, yeah, I, I can't. I can't. Henry, I can't think about those things. I've got uh, a loved one that just died. I went through a divorce. I might have had an affair. There might be bankruptcy. Uh, there might be some terrible illness you've just found out about that you have or your loved one has. It may be old age. You may have committed a crime. And whatever those difficulties are, it just looms so big. It's like, I can't think about growing and developing right now. There's never an excuse not to be growing. I was reading recently about Alexander Solzhenitsyn, the Russian who grew up in a believing home 100 years ago, but then lost his faith in school thanks to the Soviet indoctrination, fought in World War II, and just wrote in a letter a critical comment about Stalin and was sent to the what they called the gulag, the concentration camp, for eight years. He lost his family, lost his health, lost his job, lost all of his whatever money he had. And it was in prison that he came back to faith in Christ. But I've got this quote here by him. He says, bless you, prison. Bless you for being in my life. For there 
lying upon the rotting prison straw. I came to realize that the object of life is not prosperity, as we are made to believe, but the maturity of the human soul. Even in that extreme situation, he realized, I need to grow and change. He said, I discovered the line dividing good and evil isn't between groups of people. It's right down the middle of the human heart and that we all have that struggle. He became focused on his growth and development even in that extreme situation. It's not what happens to you. It's how you respond. And we must be growing to be able to lead others in their development. There'll be a podcast coming out soon. I'll have a podcast called Bringing Truth to Life. And pretty soon we're going to do a series called Passing the Baton. So if, you, if that's not something you've ever done of helping someone else grow spiritually, you might want to check that out. But closing, let me encourage you and myself, because this hits all of us, never quit learning and growing your whole life and always be willing and intentional about doing whatever you can to help others do the same. Let's close in prayer. Thank you so much, Lord, for your, uh, you've got a green thumb and you use it on us. You push us to learn and grow and develop, to be more like Christ, to be more useful to you, to be more of a blessing to others, and to bring you glory and praise on the earth. Thank you so much, gracious Father. We love you. Help us not to, help us to get old without growing cold. Help us to continue to have a green growing edge, even if it hurts. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us on Bringing Truth to Life. If the message has encouraged you, please subscribe and give us a review. This helps more people find our podcast. We hope you'll join us again for the next podcast of Bringing Truth to Life.